0: This is Meet the Fam, a podcast series from The Way Church. Meet the Fam is created to be a place for you to find community by meeting the people who make up the way. I'm Matt Rothi, pastor at The Way Church, and I am joined by our producer, John Boo Hopper, and my co-host, H-Town, a.k.a. Heidi Zell, a.k.a. The Govna.
1: You didn't have to do that. (laughs) Well,
0: actually, I I did because last time you gave me grief for not giving you your own introduction.
1: That's my title, not my name, just so we're clear. I
0: understand. On this episode of Meet the Fam, we get to sit down with Kelly Shores. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. Hello. I need to be honest with you about something. I guess I owe you thanks because you're the reason we're having this podcast. Did you know that?
2: Um yeah I that was really confusing and surprising to me and I was a little bit shell shocked by that so I was like really inspired that was really cool Well
0: you inspired you inspired me and all of us to think of having this podcast. And here's why. There's two reasons. I'll tell you the first one. A year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, when we met, we were sitting down getting to know each other. And you told me a story about something that happened to you, uh, not a midlife crisis, but let's call it like a mid-faith crisis. You grew up in the church and you went To church, like you've done hundreds, thousands of times before, and you had something happen that was um, really tragic. Would you mind telling us that story?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church for, I mean, 20 years I went to this church. I loved this church. I loved everything about this church. I like aspired to be in this church forever. Um, And I moved away and I came back and I um, brought a boyfriend and um, this boyfriend was not white. He was Hispanic. And I was so excited to bring him to a church. He had never been in church. And we sat down and I'm like, just feeling like this awe, like "Ah, I'm back in my home. And um, the pastor started talking and he said, I don't want to say it's a sin to date interracially, but. And those being like the first words out of his mouth now that I have left, I have come back after a few years. And my boyfriend at the time was just like, Uh, this is what you wanted to introduce me to? Like, what are you trying to do? And at that moment, he almost walked out. Wow. So that was, um, that was like a really shocking moment, um, in my faith life. And I didn't go back to church for a long time after that.
0: I can imagine there's, there's the already pressure of like bringing a boyfriend, girlfriend home to meet your family, to meet your friends, uh, add to that, you know, someone hasn't gone to church and this is a big part of your life and that happens.
2: Yeah, it was um it was really weird because I had always looked at these people as like people I looked up to, people I wanted to be like and I it was just kind of like a startling moment for me because one I was trying to cope with his he was upset, like he was angry that I had brought him there and also trying to resolve like what what did I believe when I was growing up? Like mm-hmm. is everything that I Liked, like, is is it all a lie? Am I supposed to be, am I supposed to be a part of this, or am I have I been doing the wrong thing for my whole life?
0: Yeah, you mentioned that uh, your boyfriend almost got up, walked out, but that was a marked moment for you. You said because of your faith, and you stopped attending for quite a while, like church in general.
2: Church in general for like five, five, six years. Wow. It wasn't until I came back to the well. I actually ended up in another church. Um, for a short period of time. And then we came to the way and that was sort of where we ended up um, because we just felt comfortable. But yeah, it was like five or six years.
0: During those five or six years, did you still think of yourself as a Christian?
2: Um, I identified as Christian, but I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't really praying unless I felt like I needed something, you know, kind of selfishly. Mm -hmm. Or if something happened to me, I would pray then. But I really didn't do a lot of Christian things, I would say. I wasn't going to church or anything like that.
0: And that had been a major part of your life for the previous two and a half decades.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like 20 years, every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, every Sunday night. I mean, I was a major part of youth group. Mm -hmm. I was a major part of all of the camps that they went on. And I went to Honduras on mission trips. And um, yeah, it was a, it was kind of a massive blow when that happened.
0: You said you started to question certain aspects of like your faith and what you believe, what you were taught, what were some of the specific things you particularly questioned?
2: Well, I just started looking at um, social media was starting to become a thing then. um so I started looking at like, okay, these are people I went to church with, people that I loved, people I hung out with all the time. I just started kind of like looking at things that they were posting, and I'm like, man, do I identify with that? And I started seeing a lot of the folks that I went to church with were posting a lot of racist things, anti other religion things, Mm -hmm. just very like divisive things. And that kind of made me question like, well, where do I fall on this? Because I love, I thought the Bible was that you were supposed to like love people. So this was very confusing to me because they're saying you're only supposed to love this type of person or Christians or white people or whatever it is. And I just didn't identify with that. Um, So I started seeing a lot of that on social media. And I started to think like, Okay, well, I grew up my whole life being told these things, but what's in the Bible? because that's also was very confusing to me because I never knew of a Bible verse that said you shouldn't date interracially except mm-hmm. maybe something in the old Testament. I mean I, I really didn't even know mm-hmm. um and so I just started kind of identifying like how I felt and how I like never wanted to be like that ever mm-hmm. did this cause any
1: friction between like you and your Christian friends or your peers especially or or did you kind of? Just fall away from those friendships at all because people did maybe post things on social media you didn't in, you didn't agree with, or they were also more entrenched in that way of thinking.
2: Well, I hate the idea of like not being friends with someone because you don't agree with their with what they're doing, but yeah. ultimately at the end of the day, if it's everything that they're about, yeah, you may just identify that you're not as good of a friend with them as you once were. Mm-hmm. So I just found that I didn't. Hang out with those people as much, talk to them as much, and eventually they all, we all kind of just went our separate ways. I don't think I'm friends with most of them anymore mm-hmm. on on Facebook. So mm-hmm.
1: that must have had some effect on your faith as well. Like not having that Christian support group that you felt you know was actually supporting your faith. I
2: guess. Yeah, so I um, I felt super alone, and I ended up in college. When I was there, I was like kind of looking for something, but I didn't really have any friends that were Christians anymore. Um, so I actually found myself trying to like reach out and I found this church that I will not identify, but it was a a non-denominational church, very welcoming. It was very active on the campus. So I went there exactly one time Mm. and I just remember them being like a little too extreme for me. They were doing, they were speaking in tongues, which I didn't know very much about. Mm -hmm. And that was very odd to me. So. So it was, um, completely in the opposite direction because when I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, women didn't speak in the church. Women didn't serve in any sense of capacity in the church. You weren't allowed to take offering. You weren't allowed to do any service role in the Southern Baptist Church. So then to see this other really extreme experience, I was like, I don't even know what to do here. Like, I'm just very confused. Yeah.
0: Mm. Well, that's that's really interesting that you noted that as this is confusing and this is maybe unnatural, some of the things that are happening here. When, when people visit our church, and people often visit our church who are church shopping, and because we're one of the newer churches in town, they'll give us a try. And sometimes we'll give people what is a church shopping guide. And it's just 10 thoughts because whether or not you find the way church to be your home church, we hope you find a good church home. And one of the things on there is if a church is making you do things that are unnatural, that you feel like aren't normal behavior, whatever that might be, there's maybe a red flag.
2: Right. Well, actually we ended up at the way because we were also church shopping. Right. So we John went into the Wawa one day and he saw a flyer and he came out. And at that time we hadn't been going to the church. We hadn't been going to church at all. Um and he's like, Well, you know, maybe we should get back into it. I saw this flyer and, you know, they look they look new. Like, let's just try it out. And I was I was, you know, and I was all about supporting that because when he like made the decision that he wanted to go, I was like, come on, let's just try something, you yeah. know? And and then I, I said, let's try each church for like two or three weeks each. So we get like a real vibe of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then we just never left.
0: <laughs> well, we're glad for that. Yep. So you mentioned this made you really kind of question some of the things you had grown up with. But if we're being honest, when you were in your college years, it wasn't the first time you kind of questioned some things going on in your faith. Growing up, too, with being saved, baptism. You had some questions about that, too, you shared with me before.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When I was growing up in this church that I loved and it was my home, you know, in in most good Southern Baptist churches, you have um, kids that like immediately are called to the altar when they're like six or seven. And you always want to be that kid because, you know, everybody looks favorably upon you. And generally those children go to Bible camp and they can recite all the verses. And I just was never that person because, it, I just wasn't, mm-hmm. and I I was like 15, and I finally was like, oh, yeah, I kind of like this. I, I I think I'm feeling comfortable making this decision, but I was twice the age of, of my peers that made that decision. Um, and then when they said, oh, wow, we're so proud that you finally made this decision, you know, you finally came around, and they said, well, what day do you want to be baptized? I said, I don't want to be baptized in this church. I want to be wow. baptized in Honduras, which was significant to me. Um, and kind of my faith life. So when we went on our next mission trip to Honduras, which was it was like three or four months later, I waited. They filmed it. They actually had to like dig out a section of the river so it was deep enough for us to be baptized. And I was mm. baptized from with um several people from the Honduran church that we helped build.
0: What a cool experience. Yeah. So that was really yeah. cool. That is really special. One of the things that I'm super excited about, and this is a huge part of why and how you inspired us to have this podcast and find a way for you to share this story. When you told me that story the first time, you kind of mentioned that, yeah, you're in this place of really questioning your faith and exploring things for the first time um, in a long time for yourself. And you shared with me a podcast uh, that you had been listening to that you thought was pretty interesting because a lot of the people on this podcast had similar stories things in their life happened at church with a Christian leader or a Christian friend that really drove them away from Christianity. And yet you didn't get driven away from it. What you were telling me when you told the story was, yeah, something really bad occurred, something that's really sad and really not biblical occurred. And yeah, it was tragic for the reason it happened. It was doubly sad because I stopped growing in my faith and going to church, but during that time, it drove me back to God's word. It drove me back to see what God's word says about a lot of things in life, whether it's race relationships, whether it's about salvation and I'm saved because of God's grace to me, not because of a decision or anything I've done. And that was massively eye-opening to you. So I listened to the podcast that you had recommended, and I'm like, this is great that people tell their stories about this because I think a lot of people can relate to them. But this podcast in particular kind of threw a lot of shade on Christianity. It wasn't like stories of people turning to God's word and seeing what it actually says. It was people just being done, giving up. Yeah, they were were commiserating. Yeah. Yeah, and that's sad because there's so much hope. There's so much peace. There's so much joy that like the gospel gives us that Like these people are clearly missing out. And I looked at your story and I go, wow, that could have happened. That could have happened just as easily where something bad happened to you in the church and you're just done. You just made up your mind then and forever that the gospel, Christianity, it's not for you because of something someone said. And yet you didn't do that, yet here you are and you, you have a story about the fact that like, no, there actually is a community. There are other communities of faith, Christian communities that aren't, aren't negative in nature. They really do reflect Christ's love. I just walked away from that conversation going, wow, I think there's a lot of people like Kelly that need to hear Kelly's story because it's really important. Yeah, I thought it was too special not to share. And so that's why we have this podcast.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's really awesome. And, you know, ultimately, like when I and this isn't something that we had talked about initially, but when I left and kind of made those decisions to just kind of be done for a short period of time, five or six years later, I found that I was really struggling to need like something else in my life. I was really unhappy. And um, it led me into a conversation with Jonathan and he invited me to church. And Ultimately, it kind of led me back full circle to be in church and be much happier in church because mm-hmm. if I wasn't looking for something, I would have never spoken to Jonathan about it, and he would have never invited me to church to begin with, which is ultimately why we're here. So,
0: mm-hmm. What would you say to people who have had a situation experience similar or dissimilar to yours, but they've perhaps been burned by the church or a pastor, leadership at church, or just the people they they thought were, and I'm using air quotes, like Christians, they've been hurt by these people. And now they're where you were during that five, six year period. What would you say to them?
2: I would say, uh, don't let it burn you because they're not a full reflection of what the church is or should be. For a long time, I I was bitter because that was my whole home. And I let it kind of be a reflection of what I felt like church was. And because they were it, you know, they were the church to me. So, but they ultimately aren't the church is about, about God, not about them. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of letting their lies stand in my way of what I knew to be truth. So I would just say, don't give up.
1: It's also good to know that like, if you felt like you all of a sudden weren't at home in your home church, then maybe that could be enlightening for people who don't feel at home in any church, that there's a possibility to feel that way. Well, you know, yeah. not to be afraid of it, I guess.
2: Yeah, and you know, I, I think a lot of times people stay stay in places because they're comfortable, mm-hmm. or like, well, my mom went here, my grandparents went here, I'm expected to go here. My father's Catholic, so I'm supposed to be Catholic. You know, if you're not comfortable, then then you should make the decision to to leave. And I feel like if I maybe would have stayed in that area, I maybe probably I probably would have felt like that subconscious pressure to stay in the church, whether I agreed or not, whether I was partaking in whatever they were doing or not, I think I would have felt that pressure. But mm-hmm. kind of walking away and finding something new, it this style just makes a lot more sense to me, logically.
0: So you mentioned Jonathan invited you to church. He was your friend, then eventually he became your boyfriend. And very recently you and Jonathan got married. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um but you you talked about like really that a friend inviting you to church, being the catalyst for you thinking back again about, okay, what does God's word say about Christianity and faith? What's your philosophy on sharing your faith?
2: Well, I remember in that situation, which made me feel comfortable and wanting to come, he said to me, "The church I go to is really non-judgmental, um, but I would just encourage people that um, that are like looking or want to invite a friend or something, like making it." Not so aggressive because oftentimes, like Christians, get this stigma that they're like really aggressive and like pulling people by the hand, like you should come to church with me, and it's great and it's awesome, and you have to come and you have to commit. And I just try and look at it like really casually. Um, like one of my friends, she's not a Christian, and um, I try not to like push and say like, well, you know, we're going to have to talk about your 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 fiery exit or something. You know, I mm-hmm. I just try and say like, anytime something's happening, I just say like, I'm praying for you. And it's not aggressive, but it certainly, like, lets her know that it's not just like, oh, my thoughts are with you. I'm thinking of you. It's, no, I'm praying for you because I believe in God. And, you know, this is not, like, committal on your side. It's just this is how I feel and and kind of make it known without being so aggressive.
0: I think that's so wise and such a personal way to go about evangelism because the other side of it is, you know, the Bible-banging, overly aggressive, judgmental form of doing that. This is something I've thought a lot about recently, and I'll ask you guys as well. I'm not just going to put Kelly on the spot with this. Earlier this year, it was in February, Barna came out with a study that, it was a longer study, but the gist of it was this. 47%, so almost 50% of millennials think it is wrong to evangelize. Like it's it's not right to do. And the study was interesting because it also offered the statistics that 95 to 97% of all people say, Christian people say that evangelism, that means sharing your faith with someone in hopes that they would come to know and love the Jesus who loves them. That's a part of their faith. 95, 97% of people would say that's part of your faith. And yet when you break it down to the specific demographic of millennials, almost 50% said it was wrong to do. And this study came out and everybody was up in arms like, what do we do? This specific age demographic doesn't want to share their faith, thinks it's wrong actually to share their faith. That's a profound and kind of scary thing because Clearly, the Bible says part of being a Christian is sharing your faith. Um, And that was alarming. But thinking through it, I think it makes sense because of a lot of what you said. I think a lot of our experience and our, we're all millennials, with evangelism may have been more along that line. Going up to someone and saying, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And that isn't really winsome or... I don't know. What what has been your experience growing up with evangelism?
1: I feel like that is pretty accurate. I, I didn't have a lot of outside influences of people evangelizing in my childhood because I was around a lot of people of the same faith going to a Christian high school, especially. But I always think about like the billboards in the South mm-hmm. that are like, I don't know, like what's going on, God, you know, like that's... It's just like it's taking it to an extreme that makes people just either absolutely ridicule it and fairly, I think, Mm -hmm. or just like blow it off like completely. I don't know.
0: Yeah. That or handing out tracks that said like, you know, hell or heaven, you know, on the front of them. And then they explain like God's great exchange after that. It doesn't super connect with people. What's a track? A short piece of literature that presents a doctrinal thing. And oftentimes they're meant for information or evangelism. Like here, I'm going to hand this to my friend Kelly. She's going to read about whether or not heaven or hell awaits her. I think that's been a lot of our generation's experience and that's not good because what it replaces is the very like meaningful evangelism and just Christianity and living your faith that happens when you get to know people and you get to show them your care. And reflect Jesus love in your life to them. And so as I like thought about this study, I, yeah, it's concerning that half of our generation who identifies as Christian thinks it's wrong to evangelize because it's not wrong to evangelize. But it's an overreaction to, I think, a lot of our experience where we go, "Oh yeah, saying to people, "If you were to die tonight, heaven or hell," is not friendly or winsome. Or helpful. Or helpful.
2: Well, I think there's also some confusion because people feel like, well, if I evangelize and I like tell people about God, then that means I'm not supporting other people that might be different than me. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's a lot of the millennial reaction is, well, I don't, I don't want to be against anybody. I don't want to offend anybody where if you do it in the right way and, and not as aggressively, you can still show that you're a Christian without um, making someone feel bad if they're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You commented on this. I mentioned it in a sermon a little while ago, and it's it's an idea that I got someone who has a very different belief set than I do. but i I read this this person, and what they were saying is that you can show empathy without endorsing. So you can show love without endorsing someone's lifestyle, someone's beliefs, someone's views on a thing. You can still show love to people, and I think, oh. oh yeah, that makes sense to me because that's what Jesus did. He showed a lot of empathy to people who really were not in line with him, his holiness, his perfection, everything that Jesus is. He loved me. He loved me. He loved all of us. Um, but he didn't say, hey, the way you're living, the way you're doing life is right. I'm going to come and live and die for you anyways and love you.
1: And he didn't just like talk to people on the street too. I mean, he like Ate in their homes, he stayed with them. You know, like if he hadn't talked to anyone who was different than him, he would have talked to no one.
0: You mentioned before you grew up not really seeing women use their gifts, their talents, their abilities in church a lot. Right now, you use your gifts in a massive way at our church, and you're a huge blessing to what we're doing. Uh, Kelly serves as the financial coordinator, financial treasurer here at The Way, and that's a huge blessing. Uh, You're very gifted in that way. Uh, Your professional career is in line with that, and it's been a huge blessing for the ministry that we're doing here, Um, but you didn't really experience that growing up. Can you maybe say or tell a little bit about your past experience in the church seeing women using their gift and maybe also comment on your experience getting to use your gifts in this way now?
2: Yeah. um, The, the way that women were allowed to, you know, show glory to God and use their gifts was either by singing in the choir or we had exactly one woman. She worked for the church and she was the secretary. So, you know, kind of standard role Um, or you could be a Sunday school teacher, but you you couldn't do anything else. Mm -hmm. So that was it. Again, it just didn't sit right with me. It was just sort of odd. Because, you know, my dad served a lot in the church. He was a deacon. He taught um, Sunday school. He led the worship band at times. You know, he was very active. And then I kind of saw my mom not partake as much. And I just it was weird. Um, and now, kind of serving in that different role, I just never thought that I was allowed. Like, I literally thought that women weren't allowed to do that just based on what I saw growing up. So when you asked me, I remember just being so surprised, like, is this allowed is this is this a biblical or like did God say this is okay because I just didn't know mm-hmm. and i I think it's cool. I like accounting and I like when it all lines up and I, I like being able to use it in that way because it makes me feel like I'm helpful and useful so i I don't mind doing it at all, so
0: yeah, I think that's uh really awesome to hear because as you look at the body of believers, God gives gifts to his people, not all the same, not all in the same amounts but he does it so that his body might be built up and gifts that I have uh, other people don't have and the gifts that others don't others do have I don't have one of them being I don't understand how to make things line up like <laughs> the way you do so when Kelly Kelly sits down and shows me this is how finances work it's a huge blessing and all the accounting that you do right is a huge blessing for us and as far as it goes with roles of men and women right scripture does, Speak very clearly about that men and women have different roles. And I think oftentimes, uh, maybe we haven't been as clear, and I'm saying churches in general, in teaching those and how, while they are different, people can still use their gifts to glorify God by being in line with what God says about the roles in men and women. And yeah, you supporting us with your gifts like that is really cool. So. Thanks for doing that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a really good topic just in general for people to talk about in the church because I know I've always had questions about roles of men and women in the church. And I think people might be, they might make assumptions about what Christians think or what some Christians think about that. So it's better to be open about it than to just ignore it.
0: Yeah. And- To not have just a conversation about what you cannot do, you cannot do this, men cannot do this, women cannot do this. Well, how about also let's have a conversation about what we can do, what we can do to give glory to God while still obeying what God says about the roles of men and women. So, we talked about this before we started the podcast, but you walked in wearing a jacket that said Ultra on it. You do Spartan races. And, uh, you do the, is it called ultra it's called the ultra, yeah, the ultra. Yeah. I've always wanted to ask you this, why do you do it?
2: You know, when I started Spartan Spartan racing, I started at the sprint level, which is like five miles. And then it just kind of gets out of hand kind of quickly because you think I can do eight, I can do 13. I'll do 30. Like 30 is good. Okay, you and think that. Normal people don't think <laughs> that. Well, Tan, Tan doesn't think that. <laughs> I would never think that. So you just get to that point and then you kind of get – I'm in all of these like Facebook groups that are super encouraging and you just start talking to other kind of like, like-minded individuals and you, you feel really encouraged like, well, if that person can do it, I can do it. And then you get out there and you're like, oh, I really just don't think I could do this. <laughs> um, but I like the endurance races because it takes me like a longer – time to just like get warmed into it. And, and there's just less people doing it. So when you're running by people and they see that purple Jersey and they cheer you on, you feel like you just start running faster for some reason. That's really cool. It's, it's a really cool um, community of people that just not everybody enjoys it. Like people don't like rolling around in the mud and jumping over things in the rain and doing 30 miles that way. I just feel like I'm really proud that I was able to do it. Um, when I first started, I, um, was married at the time to someone and they told me I couldn't even finish a five mile race, which is why I started. And I said, oh, okay, I'll prove you wrong. And, mm. um, I just finished my 25th race was Congratulations. The last one I did. Nice. So, so that was cool.
0: And just to be clear, the race you just finished was how long?
2: It was 31 miles,
0: 31 miles. Congratulations. Oh, so the aspect of community pretty special with that. What else do you enjoy about just that sport?
2: Um, I like – so I will sign up for the races because it, inc- it gives me like a reason to train and to focus. So if I'm not signed up for something, I don't want to work out. Like I don't have a reason.
0: Hear that. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> you know, and the medals are helpful. The, the ultra – with the ultra, you get a belt buckle. And they're really heavy. You don't even want to wear them, but then you kind of do because, you know, you worked you worked you really worked hard for this. That. You know, you just get out there. And I, I just pray a lot during these races. Like, am I going to survive this thing? And it's kind of like a, a mental test of, of just will and being stubborn. And the last one, when I was running, I prayed more than I have ever prayed. Just please get me through this. And it was like a mental challenge. But like, I just kind of knew I was going to be okay. And then I, I think I told you this, Matt that I am um, I was running along and I'm like please let the rain stop. And then it would stop and I'm like thank you god, but like please let it get a little warmer now. <laughs> you know, and I was doing this like kind of selfish um okay, well you gave me this, but now I want you to give me this also because I'm here and I'm cold and I'm wet and I'm hungry and <laughs> and and then you finish your race and then you just sign up for another one and and you thank god like thank you for letting me get through that and you just sign up for another one and and you just do it all over again.
0: Sounds like just I don't know. You mentioned the prayer thing, and I I shared with you when I when I ran a race, I prayed as a way to distract myself of like the pain I was enduring during it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just the way you you and I have talked about this before. It's just another way that you can do everything and give glory to God.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I first started, I just kind of looked at it as like a physical challenge, but it really is a mental challenge as well. And I know that I could not do that. By myself. I just training alone, you you don't get through that without, you know, the big man upstairs kind of pushing you along at mile 29, you know. So
0: so you mentioned this too, you started at five miles, five mile sprints. Was that it or the five K?
2: Yeah, it's like a five mile sprint and it's 20, 25 obstacles.
0: So when I was going through school, I didn't run long at all. And so when I got done, got to play sports going through school i'm like oh i'm gonna start jogging now and the first time i ever jogged i still remember this i'm like oh, i'm gonna run for 10 minutes i stopped after like three minutes and like walked with my hands above my head i got done and i'm like i'm never gonna go running again but stuck with it friends encouraged me and yeah i got to run a marathon a little while ago so now i'm convinced because of that experience that anybody can do it. You just don't do it overnight. Like the couch to marathoner, it's not really a That's thing a that thing, happens yeah. overnight. Those several years of running in there, right? Do you have the same theory?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think people that do the couch to five k, like generally people can walk a five k. Yeah. But I I can speak a little bit about my mom. My mom is sixty six years old and she finished a Spartan three years ago. And I remember her doing her first part and like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm like, no, mom, you can do it. It's fine. I was really not sure, but you know, we were going (laughs) to, we were going to go out there and do it. And she finished it. And I think that she immediately was like, oh, now I understand a little better. And now she's finished three and she's like, oh, this has taken years to really understand what goes into training for this. And I mean, and she trained heavily for the first one. So now it's, it's just a matter of like, really working towards it because you know what the end goal kind of is. But yeah, I don't, I don't think a couch to marathon thing is
0: a thing. I have to tell you a story. I don't, I, I know for a fact, I haven't told you this before, Um, but I actually tell this story. Whenever I get to tell people um, and speak at things about our church, tell about what we got going on here. I always tell this story uh, because it was a super encouraging thing to me, um, and it's a story about you, so I'm sorry I'm talking behind your back when I tell this story, <laughs> but it actually happened a year ago, I think this last weekend.
2: When I texted you? Yes, yep. when you texted me. I remember. So
0: I don't think you knew what was going on, like the kind of day I was having that day, um, but it was a Sunday, and we had a wonderful worship service, but not a lot of people came to worship, and I know it's not about like the numbers, but... Even pastors are sinful, and so sometimes, you know, that can be a distraction. So that occurred. And then after church, we were going to go out and we were going to invite people in the community to our Christmas Eve worship service. And we had a ton of people sign up, but a fraction of the people came out to help do it. And it was raining, like heavy rain mixed with snow kind of stuff. And the few people that were doing it were out there doing it. And to top all of this off, I look miserable. I had pink eye. And so I'm like trying not to look like I have pink eye when I go hand invitations to people and, you know, do all that. And I'm kind of like grumbling and complaining during all of this in my head at least. And then I get a text and I see it's from you and I go, Oh, Oh, That's nice. Got a text from Kelly, but I put it back in my coat because it's raining. I don't look at it again till I'm sitting back in my car and I'm getting ready to drive home, feeling kind of discouraged. And I open up a text. And do you mind if I tell what it says? This is what it said. No, go for it. I I remember where I was. Right on. It said, Matt, for the first time in my entire life, I felt excited for church. So thank you. Thank your wife. And thank the way for that. And immediately, I was just kind of reoriented to what this, meaning ministry and Christianity is all about. And I was super encouraged by that. So thank you. I don't know if you know how much you encouraged me at that moment by sending that text. So thank
2: you. Yeah. You know, when I texted that, I was getting on a plane coming from my grandma's house and She lives in Massachusetts, and it was a really gross day. And I remember, like, I really missed church today. Like, I was so happy to see my grandma. She's 93. I was so happy to see her and to see my mom. But I remember, like, gosh, I've never missed church. I've, like, never just, like, wanted to go. You know, I always went as a child um, because I had to go. But I, like, was like, man, I really wish I would have liked to go today. And that's why I texted you before we took off.
0: Well, thanks for doing that. Yeah. What what does it mean for you that you are a part of a faith family? You're a part of this faith family, the way church.
2: Um, I feel like safe. I feel safe like asking questions because I have a lot of questions. Um, and I feel just kind of safe walking in. I'm not the best person to make small talk and I'm not the best at I'm just like walking up to someone and being like, "Hi, I'm Kelly and I'm like really interested in your church and tell me about it." So, to come to church and feel like safe. I remember when we walked in for the first time, it said "Welcome to Rest" on the bulletin and Jonathan was like, "Oh man, like that feels safe to me. That feels like home." And and ultimately, I think that that was one of the things that encouraged him to want to stay was that "Welcome to Rest" and the "Welcome to to Wisdom" because it just spoke to him in a different way. But I just feel like comfortable, and if I mess up, it's there's not this like judgment that I'm gonna have to sit at the back pew or like <laughs> I'm not allowed to come back or you know I feel like I can say things and it's okay. Like I think we, when you came over last week, I said something that I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't take this the wrong way, but you're like, no, I, I'm appreciative of the feedback. I feel comfortable saying things um, like I've never felt in a church before. So I still
1: feel that way, and I've been going to a church like this sort of like the same sort of beliefs for my whole life and I still have questions and it's nice to have
2: like an opportunity to ask them and to feel like you're being heard well I love your questions too Heidi because a lot of times there are I have similar questions so I'm like oh good Heidi asked that one nice (laughs) that's good
0: yeah I think that's that's one really special aspect of the the people that we have at this church and it Reaches into a lot of different areas. The idea like, yeah, this is a culture where people feel safe because it's not only that I feel safe to walk into this place, um, but I also feel safe to let people get to know me in this place. I feel safe that I can ask questions here. And that's really an important uh, value, I think, that we have. And I'm thankful for it.
2: Well, I do want to speak a little bit about um, the way church being a Lutheran church because when I grew up, um, if you weren't in the Southern Baptist Church, you were going to hell. Like, you you were. Like, you were not in the right denomination. Like, I had friends who were Methodists, and the people at my Southern Baptist Church were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They have women pastors. You're not supposed to do that. Why are you going there? So I had a little bit of that. Um, I wouldn't say it was anxiety, but a little bit of that, like, thought. Um, going into a Lutheran church I was like man they're gonna be like so traditional and like <laughs> they're gonna have the organ music and like you have that all of churches have stigmas mm-hmm. um and so I was a little bit like all right Jonathan like let's go but like still cautious you know um so when I have told my friends like oh I go to a Lutheran church I have heard that same response like Ooh, you know is it really old school but what I like most about the Lutheran Church specifically is that Everything is biblical. Everything goes back to the Bible. When I ask you questions, it's not, well, my opinion is, it's, well, this is what the Bible says about that. Um, And that's not something I ever knew about the Lutheran church. And it's the exact opposite of what I got when I was growing up, because when I was growing up, it was, well, I'm saying as your pastor that this is the right thing to do, not any reference to the Bible. I would just say that people that generally look at churches with that stigma either really evaluate Evaluate the kind of what that church is based in, because I didn't know Lutheran churches were based from the Bible, so
0: that's so fair. I think mm-hmm. it's very human of us to have presuppositions to have stereotypes about things, and you know you have maybe, oh, Lutheran is for church people or you know these kind of peoples only, and this kind of church is for those kind of peoples, and those kind of people. Only and so we think that way because that's the world has informed us that way. But to stop and go, okay, what's it actually about? And to find that out, that's cool. That's cool. That's what we, that's what I would hope as a Lutheran pastor that mm-hmm. you go, oh, this is this is the difference. This is what Lutheran churches are about. It's that just <laughs> a little bit of a disclaimer. We, I am by no means saying that. The Lutheran Church is the church, and similar to what you experienced negatively, that if you are Lutheran, then that's the only people going to heaven. Right now, we know there are people like who love Jesus who go to uh, Christian churches in other not Lutheran churches that we're going to get to celebrate the glory of God with forever in heaven one day. Um, but certainly, yeah, error happens in any place where they they go by something different than what God's word says. And so that's why we we make it our task to hold hold fast to Christ as he's found in the scriptures.
2: We have talked a lot about like biblical versus tradition. John and I talk about this all the time. Like I grew up, you know, really based in tradition alone. A lot of the things that I thought were biblical and worth that I thought were part of Christianity were just Tradition in that area, tradition to the Southern Baptist Church, tradition to Kings Mountain, North Carolina, they weren't biblical. Mm -hmm. So that has been really cool for me because I'm like, oh man, I like, you know, you just kind of look down on yourself, like, oh, well, I guess I'm not that great of a Christian because I don't do all of those things that I'm not traditional. I, you know, didn't go to a Liberty University, I didn't go to a traditional Christian school. But then to find out, like, oh, well, The Bible doesn't say you have to do that. This is what the Bible says Mm -hmm. has been a a good experience for me.
0: Well, Kelly, once again, I want to thank you so, so much uh, for being on here. Thank you for telling your story about what you've been through, experience in church, growing up in church, and how encouraged you are by being a part of a church that shares what the gospel is all about because i tell you what you are certainly an encouraged to myself and others as well so thanks for thanks for being here yeah
2: thank you thanks guys